My name is Mona Lisa. I'm a problem solver, a motivator, and most importantly, a mother. When my daughter was just 18, she was sentenced to 10 years in prison. It nearly destroyed our entire family, but we persevered, and now I'm on a mission to help other families going through this nightmare by bringing them out of the darkness and into the light. This is Prisoner of Hope. Today I have with me my friend, my second daughter, I always call her my bonus daughter, Ariel Mack, and I um, want to welcome you to the show today. Thank you for being with us. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And so what she's here today to talk about is kind of what she went through and why she deserves a second chance. So let's get right into it. So Ariel, let me ask you a question. You know, how long have you been out and, and um, what's been happening since you've been out? I've been out almost two years, uh, two years now. And since, no, it's almost, almost three. I totally this not I totally discounted COVID year. The year of COVID <laughs> didn't even count in my mind. I can't even think of it. But um I spent these these last years trying to regroup, trying to make up for lost time, but you really can't. I spent these years trying to basically just um acquire things that I've lost. Um it's been a hard journey actually, but it's getting better. Oh, that's good to hear. See, that's something that a lot of people don't even think about is, you know, how you want to recuperate the time that you lost. And I do realize that there are victims, you know, who probably feel the same thing, you know, like uh, uh, the people who were perpetrated against, you know, I'm sure they have the same feelings that they need to recuperate and start again for what happened to them in their life. And so we're not talking about that today, though. We're actually talking about those who've been convicted and deserve to have a second chance. So- let me ask you a question. Exactly, do you mind telling us just briefly, you know, what what caused you to go in, and uh, how long you were in? So my my charges were drug trafficking. I got sentenced to fifteen years, served ten for drug trafficking, and I did my time. Like you said, I did my time. I kept my hell down, and I did the best I could do. Upon upon release, I had no clue that it was going to be so hard, or such a struggle, trying to basically get back where you were. Like you're out the race, so you're trying to jump back in, and it is—it's damn near impossible. Um, I oh, didn't why know. Is it impossible, may I ask? All the hurdles I was going to face, like so every, every may I, maybe I did ten applications today, ten job applications. I'm gonna hear back from four of them. Three gonna be no's, one gonna be maybe, but probably not. And that's like continuous every single day. So of course you get discouraged because you're hearing like forty-five no's to your one maybe, and I'm sorry. I heard a lot of due to your recent incarceration, I'm actively still on parole. So I'm on papers and people are like, yeah, we wouldn't mess with you, but you're on papers. It's so many no's I'm hearing. Like the door has been shut so many times. Last year I decided I'm tired of knocking on everybody's door and they shutting the door on me. I'm just gonna make my own lane, my own door. And that's what I'm doing now. And so what are you doing? You're doing what? Now I'm doing hair, of course, because look at yours. She does I my do. hair, by the way, everybody. <laughs> I am a hairstylist. Most importantly, I have some odd jobs. You know me, I, I keep a couple jobs because by law, a parolee has to have a job. I have to have a job. Me being self-employed is different from me having an actual job. So I have a job and I keep that under, keep that together. But my career and what I focus on, most what I'm putting all my energy in to is doing hair and prospering my business. My best friend, she does nails and we're kind of like, collabing and we just want to beautify the world we're going to take everyone give them a second chance make them feel good and it's gonna work out 
That's good. That's good. So let's talk about the reality of the pain behind, you know, before you got to and arrived to, I'm just going to make my own way. Cause I know you're, you know, a waitress, um, which is kind of easy for most felons to get those types of jobs, but oh, they're usually, uh, huh? Those are the typically only job service industry, hard labor, warehouse jobs. Those are the jobs that they think that we are like those are the only thing that they're really like willing to to give us without a better eye. They don't care anything about what you've been through before your incarceration. That one mistake dictates your life. Period. They're gonna always look at you like that. They're gonna always feel like that. It doesn't matter about all the things I've accomplished after prison. They don't care about that. They want to know why I went to prison, what for, and then it just goes down there. No one cares about everything I've done to make up for that, getting my life on track. Like, it's so many things after that. I don't want to be just a felony. I want to, I made a mistake and now here I am, man. The woman I am now, you know? And you have a child, correct? I do have a 13-year-old. Right. So you have more to think about than just yourself. So the pressure is not just for, about you. The pressure is always about taking care of your family too. And I understand, you know, without a doubt, I, I understand that it's very difficult, you know, to try to get back on track as it is for yourself, but to be a parent, it's got to be equally as hard. And so, um, you know, one of the things that I've, I've always noticed that society does to those who've been incarcerated when they come back into the free world is they forever hold you accountable for what you did. And so it's almost like serving a life sentence, you know, like, right. uh, you know, um, you know, you may have done your time in the state and the federal government has said, you are done, you are free, you are out. We're going to watch you for a certain amount of time. And then we're going to let you off of parole or off probation. And then we're going to say that you're your penance, if you will, has been paid or the price has been paid. So how do you feel about society when they look at a felon and they say, you know, even though you paid all your prices, we don't want to give you another chance. How do you feel about that? I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Like if I was a military woman, it wouldn't be a problem. If I was 18 and I went into the military and served my country, did everything I need to do, but just like the military, we're brainwashed. We are accustomed to one thing. You're institutionalized. You're stuck on this one thing. In the military, you're trained to do this, boom, 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 boom. And then all of a sudden, you're thrown out the military, or you're out the military. And you're just supposed to just adjust to life. You're just supposed to adjust to life. But our veterans, they people make more, like they understand a veteran, they'll, they get they get out and act crazy. Like, oh, they're a veteran, they've been through all that. I too have PTSD. I too have been through those things. I too accustom my mind and my body to, to deal with prison. And then I got out, I, I'm still institutionalized, just like a woman that's been in the military her life. We, we all need to be re-entered into society, but then also society needs to accept us. Don't, don't tell me that I'm gonna do my crime and my time and then I'm get out. And then y'all still gonna look at me crazy. I still got this capital F on my face or on my arm or y'all gotta ask me questions about it. That's not, that's not right. And you know, um, I, I told you before you guys even, you know, before I started doing this, I was guilty of being one of those people that would automatically look at somebody who got out of prison or jail. And for the record, you guys, prison and jail are two completely different things. You oh, know, jail, it, huh? Completely different. Right, jail is short term. Yeah, you can go to jail 40 times and guess what? People still get out and live their life. You go to prison and it's a whole different ballgame and you, you're you literally like, you're taken out of society, put into a small fishbowl of 
a felon. Everybody's like, imagine just getting like a thousand criminals all in one room. And that's what, that's what prison is like. It's worse actually. And people don't understand that. Um, but I, I feel like you came out in your right mind. I do think you've had a lot of struggles and you do have PTSD without a doubt. I have no doubt about that. But I will say that, you know, I was one of those people that didn't want to give anybody another chance, a second chance or any chance for that matter. And I always used to say this, these terrible words, and I've confessed this before and I'll say it again. I used to say once a criminal, always a criminal, and they need to be left where they left at. They don't need to come back to society. They need to stay where they're at. Not realizing that after I too went to jail undercover, you know, on that show 60 Days In, that aired on A&E, you know, I didn't realize that there were three types of people that went to, to, to jail and prison. And that's one innocent. I mean, truly they did not do it. And it's proven because now they have exonerees, they have innocence projects, they have all kinds of things that are proving that the police were sketchy. And there was a lot of things that was going on at any right. point in time, in any city, in any year. And, you know, uh, proven now that there are people who are, who were in, who were railroaded inside because they just want to depend on somebody. And then I also found out that, you know, there are truly guilty people. I mean, you did do the crime. You do deserve the time and you need to be protected. We need to be protected from you in society, not you, but in general people. I also figured out that there are people who've made a mistake, kind of like yourself, kind of like my daughter, kind of like many people that are out there. You made a mistake. You were young. You did what you had to do. You figured that you wanted to do something stupid. And unfortunately, you got caught. You got caught. You did your time. You learned from your mistake. You came back out and you became a productive citizen. There are three different types of people that go you miss in. One All those, then that's true. But you can be any of those three. You can be the, the uh, a car. My favorite person that I know is a murderer. She actually did it. She did the crime. She's doing her time currently. She'll never get out. You can have, you can, you can <laughs> be more back up. Now, you know, you got to tell the world about that. What do you mean your favorite person is a murderer? You got to break that down. You got to tell something. You got to tell us something about that because all of us are like, huh? She is amazing. She's the most, she is the most wonderful woman I've ever experienced. I talked to this lady. She a light. You ever speak to someone and they uplift you, they bring just a breath of fresh air. This lady is so amazing. So sweet. So nice. And when you say that murderer, what? Yes. But it's circumstances behind everything. You just don't know what people going through. The I'm not going to tell her whole story, but what happened, you could Google it. Um, she was being abused. She part of it. She had enough, like women do, watch Lifetime, you understand. And she snaps. And that happens daily. Women get, domestic women, people in domestic violence, nine out of 10 times they die. She had enough. She wasn't gonna go for that, and I respect that. I hold her. Oh, I heard her story. She's remorseful. She definitely, definitely shouldn't have to live the rest of a mistake she made when she was eighteen. I do not think she should be paying for that when she's ninety-four. You know, and I understand that my brother was murdered, so I'm on both sides. I'm the family of a victim, but also she's a victim as well. Where's her justice for all the years she dealt with all the abuse and she just had enough? I get that, but um, you could be. You can get into that situation. What I'm saying is there's there's three types of people, but ultimately most women, most people come out of prison. They are remorseful for their crime. They want to change their lives. And we are incapable of doing if I get out, if I did the crime and then I get out and I want to change my life and give it up to God or do whatever I want to do, society make it damn near impossible. Cause this is all they see. This is all they're gonna see, this is all they've been seeing. They have no clue about the transformation I have that's taking place in 
prison. They don't know. Right. Because one thing I can say, and I can, I can justify this on, on your behalf is you certainly gave your life to God. You certainly found your life in God and you've changed dramatically. You have not done one thing wrong since you got out. As a matter of fact, you've been advocating on behalf of mm -hmm. others, understanding the plight uh, that you've been through and all that you've gone through and all that other people have gone through. You've shared your story. You did not hide. You did not say, hey, I'm not going to tell people what I went through. I'm not going to talk to nobody about it. You have come out and been transparent about all that you've been through. You were on the show with us. Now you're back on the podcast and, you know, you, you, you are making a difference, you know, and I applaud you for that. And I want you to know that I personally think that you deserve not just a second chance, but another chance, because I really believe that, you know, part of your life that you were going through uh, during that time, you know, was trying to provide for yourself. And as a young person, you know, um, moving to a strange city, trying to get off and, and, you know, into a life where, you know, you're just trying to provide for yourself and find something better for yourself is how you got caught up. Am I wrong? It's, that's exactly true. But guess what? That's eight out of 10 women. I mean, so now my purpose in life is to meet a young woman in the same position I was at that time, meet her, let her know, since you got options, you don't have to go through all this and that. You got options. Let me tell you what the options are. I've been through it. I have fell in the hole. You about to fall in, sis. I'm about to tell you how to get out of it or you better yet go around it. That's my purpose in life. I want to purposely actively do that every single day. And with every woman that I meet, um, uh, it's been difficult. Society ain't making it easy at all. Actually, I'm getting, I'm getting more. The more notoriety I get, the more like people start hearing about my story and my testimony and tell stuff. The more devil come at me. Like I'm getting more negativity than positivity. Like oh, I'm hearing, I'm hearing the most. But that doesn't discourage me because like, I got something to say, and the world needs to hear it. And I agree with you. You do have something to say and the world does need to hear it. And every time you open your mouth, you know, I can hear truth coming out of it and I can hear a woman who's still caught up in pain and suffering, you know, and it seems like every time you try to get ahead, I hear you. I see where something always tries to knock you back down. So, but the thing is, is you're standing strong. You're not fighting. You're not going backwards. You're not ending up going, recidivating and going back to prison. You know, you're actually trying to get this thing right once and for all. Now, what we need for society to do is to give people a second chance. So let's talk about judgment. Let's talk about, you know, why people don't give uh, people a second chance. You know, the bottom line is, is that it's judgment. You know, you're basically looking, go ahead. The ultimate reason why people don't is because it hasn't happened to them yet. And that's it. Until your daughter goes to jail, until your mama get locked up, until your brother has been racially profiled by the police, you will be ignorant to it because you haven't seen it, you won't experience it. And it hasn't, it hasn't hit you in life. But I had a homegirl. She was just so naive to this until brother got locked up for just the craziest thing. He got railroaded wholeheartedly. I'm trying to get, I actually want to introduce him to you because his case, anybody who reads his case knows like blatant, just the police just did what they want to do, right? This is obvious. Anybody with common sense can see this is obvious. She was so gung-ho. She was like Blue Lives Matter. You know what I mean? She was one of those people that, no, the police are right. Da, da, da. The criminals deserve this, this, and that. Until her, her brother's in this position. He can't get out of it. She's looking like, no, you've been wrong. Oh, now he's been wrong. We all are. We all have. You know, you won't get an understanding until you have that, until you're in a position to have understanding. Like, until then, I can tell you till you're blue in the face, you're not going to get it until your daughter goes to jail, and then you'll get it. I got it.
That's what <laughs> happened to me. I got slapped in the, both of my eyes with an in-between, like right here with the truth that all of my judgment for all of those years, because bottom line is what you're saying is right. Until it happens to you, you don't, you, you don't know how to give somebody a second chance, but it's also judgment, you know, judgment, you know, I, I, I want to look that definition up. I think I'm going to look that up in just a second, but judgment is when you look at someone else and you say, I want to be the great judge that's sitting at, you know, with, at the gavel, uh, sitting at the desk with the gavel. And I want to be the one to pass the sentence on you. And I want to be the one who decides what's going to happen to you and how it's going to happen to you. You don't, you know, a lot of us don't get paid to be judges. I know I didn't get paid to be a judge. And so since I did not get paid to be a judge, I decided I'm not going to judge anymore because you know what? There's an old saying, the same judgment that you send out is the same judgment that comes back to you, except it Thank comes you. back to you a hundredfold. Exactly. Exactly. I stopped. I was very big on like, uh, I got to get back. You know, I was a revenge type of person once a when in my younger years, I just felt wrong and I had to do something about it. And I, now I'm older and wiser and I know that, baby, um, he got it. He's going to make it. He's going to bring it out. Everybody who judged me, everybody who felt some type of way about me, speak, spoke on me, has got what they had coming to them. And I didn't do anything but live my life. I'm living my life prosperity. And people just going to, they're going to get what they get. And I, it's out of my hands. I'm only dealing with what I can control what I can deal with and that's it and I find peace in that I am a peaceful person I got a peace that people do not understand I looked up the word judgment that's good you do have peace that's awesome Read it to me. the noun says it's the ability to make considered decisions or come to sensible conclusions or an error of conclusion in discernment it's also a misfortune or calamity viewed as a divine punishment in other words, the crash had been a judgment on the parents for wickedness. That's just a way of explaining it. So mm -hmm. what does judgment mean? It's an opinion or decision that is based on careful thought, the act or process of forming an opinion or making a decision after careful thought, the act of judging someone or something else, and the ability to make good decisions about what should be done. Now, that's what the definition of judgment is. But what we do is we don't even consider you know, what has happened, we don't consider all of the thoughts and all of the facts because half the time we don't even know them. Like, no, most of the time, how keep that judgment on me when you don't know me? How keep that judgment on me when you don't have all the facts? You can't make a conscious decision, what have all the sides. There's well, no way know, they say, they say, well, oh, yeah, we can because uh, clearly the gut, the judge uh, made a decision and put you in prison. So clearly you were wrong. So because the judge did it and we've already seen the judge pass, you know, uh, their judgment. So now I can stand behind it as a felon and I can say, well, yeah, you were guilty. So now I can hold you accountable. But once again, there are three factors you're not considering. One, you don't even know her. Okay. You don't know me. I don't know you. Two, I don't even know what she did or how she did it and why she did it. I have no clue about any of that. And then last but not least, who made you the great judge? Who said you were allowed to determine what someone's life was supposed to be like? In this month of second chances, this is the time that I am asking all of you to take a look at a woman like Ariel Mack, okay? And look at her and see that she, yes, made a mistake. Yes, she did the time and yes, she paid her price. And because she paid her price, 
She now is back as a productive citizen in, in society, has done nothing wrong, has done, has honored her parole, has done everything that she's supposed to do. If they tell her to report, she reports. If they tell her to get a job, she gets a job. If they tell her that she has to do piss tests, she does a piss test. Whatever that she needs to do, she does. So who are you to be the person that decides that she should go to hell in a handbasket and forever have an F on her report card and forever be a felon for the rest of her life and pay that price. It's almost like a life sentence. Who are you to do that? Mm -hmm. I, I don't believe that we should do that. And I do believe that it is my job as a woman who's been chosen and also affected by this life, uh, lifestyle of incarceration. Mm -hmm. I do believe that it is our time for us to pull together and to realize as a society that we must restore empathy. I don't right. do just because I want to stand on the on the side of wrong and condone crime. That's not why I do this. Mm -hmm. I do this to restore empathy and to rebuild the family unit. Because ultimately, when you judge her and when you don't give her a second chance, you've just destroyed her whole family. How does she care for her mother who is sick and has a deathly disease? How do you care? How does she care for her daughter or her son, excuse me? who is a teenage boy who needs help and needs the direction of his mother. How does she provide for herself? How does she eat? How does she clothe herself? How does she have a, 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 a roof over her head? How, how, do, how do you expect her to do that? Matter of fact, you know what, Aria, would you judge, were you a judgment, judgeful person? I can't get it out before you went in. To be honest with you, um blindly so i think we all are i think we're all guilty of it a little bit but on a smaller scale the, nowadays i'm getting i'm getting a much more harsher judgment younger um i did a lot i mean i you'll see somebody be like oh girl you know we all are guilty of that but now my eyes are you know a little open and i can see i can identify like oh i need to stop you know acting like that i shouldn't expect i shouldn't expect this ballet who's black and he gonna take stuff out my car. I shouldn't assume that he's gonna do that just because he's a black ballet and I would, and, and, and it just looks like he might do something crazy. And that's in general. Um, people, people see me and I tell them my story and I get two reactions like, oh my God, or oh, so sad, what happened? And really, I just want y'all to know I'm, I'm putting a name to a face to it. I'm identifying it and I wanna move forward. Um, judgment, I think, the way that we can do away with judgment is number one, understanding, being more understanding than we normally have been. People just stop understanding. People just, people decided what they come up with is facts and that's it. No one has no room for anything other than that. Everybody's like, all right, I know what I know. And you won't even, even entertain anything else besides what you've been taught and what you know, people are so close-minded and that's the issue. That's what we have to address. Stop being so close-minded. Let's be a little more open to conversations and understanding. And then that could like, that could start it. But this ain't gonna happen in a day, boo. It's gonna take a while. It is gonna take a while, but that's our job to keep talking until something changes in this nation, right? And we're talking the United States of America. Okay, that's what we're talking about. Now, let's let's break it out. Let's break this thing down further because you know me. I'm always, you know, theologically thinking, I'm always morally thinking, and I'm always critically thinking, okay? So, I began to do a little bit more research and um, you know, I I said to myself, you know, what, what what's uh what's um the biblical meaning of judgment, you know? Um mm -hmm. the word judge 
Pinos, that's the original language, means to separate, to make a distinction between, to exercise judgment upon, to estimate, to assume a sensorial power over, to call to account, to, to judge judiciously, to bring to trial, to be brought to account, to administer government over. That means there are technically three types of judgment that they're talking about because see, the, the biblical meaning says that we are actually allowed to judge. But when you're asked, well, how do I, how are we allowed to judge? We're allowed to judge what's called the fruit or what we see that person is actually starting to display. The fruit meaning the fruits of, of their actions and of their labor. You know, mm -hmm. are they are they still doing criminal behavior? Are they still being mean and hateful and disrespectful? Are they being more loving, kind, generous and doing what's right and standing up to, you know, what's right? Is that what they're doing? These are the things that we're allowed to judge. Are we allowed to judge their patience? Yes. Are we allowed to judge their kindness? Yes. We're allowed to judge the fruit of what we see their behaviors are, not the fruit of what they have, not, excuse me, not what have they have done, if that makes any sense. So that, so basically what it's saying is we got three, three types of judgment. We have the moral judgments, which is about actions being right or wrong. Mm -hmm. And we have moral judgments about people being good or bad. Then we have moral judgments about traits and characters being good or bad or being virtual, virtuous or vices. Right. So when we start, go ahead. What I get out of that is, and, and what I always say, people gonna judge regardless, but judge me on what I'm doing now, actively, how I am, what I am, what I'm putting forward, what I'm bringing to the table right now. The 30 year old woman I am now, I'm definitely not. <laughs> The, the 18 year old, you know, I'm not making the same decisions 18 year old made. I'm not moving how the 18 year old needs to move, the 20 year old you needs to move. Stop, I wish people would stop trying to like, the best judgment for sure and that has to stop. We have to, we gotta deal with people and what they bring to the table now. The the person they wanna be now, stop, stop leaving people in the past, stop leaving in the past and stop bringing, I hate that people will just box you up. You always been that wild girl. You're going to be that wild girl all your life. I'm 45. I'm still that wild girl. Come on now. Come on. It's crazy. Right. Like I've been judged, you know, I've been judged um, that, you know, I just got a big mouth and I got something to say about everything. And as a matter of fact, when I was younger, I was always told if I don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Well, you know, now I'm starting to realize that my tongue is my most lethal weapon. Mm, say it. It's my most lethal weapon. And at the end of the day, if I don't open up and say what's on my mind and talk about the things that need to be talked about, um, not being a responsible individual to my, right. my talents. So and not being yourself. Right. Right. So you, they may have judged me from, you know, being younger and being, you know, a blabber mouth and always having something to say, but now what are you having to say about me? You know, is the question, do I care? Not, not really. I really don't give a flying flip what you think about me or how you think about me, because at the end of the day, when I go to the throne and when I go to this next life, um, you won't be with me. You won't be right. or dealing with anything that I have to deal with on the other side. When we come into this world, we come in alone. When we leave out of this world, we leave out alone. So why do we waste our time judging people? Give someone a second chance once and for all in this lifetime, you know? Like, what would you say to those of us who meet murderers and they've gotten out 
and we find out that they've murdered, you know, how do we give someone like that a second chance? What's the process to do that mentally? Me, me like I said, first, it's always starts with communication because I could tell you I'm a murderer, but then I start explaining to you that what happened and it's not so serious, you know, you didn't calm down. Um, so communication definitely. And then, like I said, open-mindedness, like people are so close-minded. We have to, we have to be much more open-minded than we are considering anything, anyone, children, adults. We, people are too quick to jump to conclusions. I see something and boom, that's what it is. And, and nine out of 10 times, it's hardly ever just that. It's hardly ever just that. Like, I'm guilty of it too, I'm not gonna lie. There's so many times I catch myself like, oh, I know something's going on right here. And you really don't, you just assume. So now you didn't put that energy out in the world. Now you assume that this place is gonna be negative or you're going over here and it's gonna be, I, I'm gonna hate it. So I'm already got my mind ready and my energy is on negativity and now I hate it. Of course I hate it because I was prepared to hate it and I thought about it and then boom, I've been spoken into existence and that's everybody, that's everything. So I tell you, I'm a, you meet me, you enjoy my company, then I tell you I'm a murderer. Now your mind already like, oh damn, she she eats, she crazy. So you are already ready for me to be there. So when I start, if I show you any of those traits, you're like, oh, I already knew. You know, um, we gotta we gotta start like letting people show us who they are and just accepting that. Stop trying to put people into the box we want them in. Let's catch them at their own box, whatever box they're in. Let's appreciate that. And that's it. All right, guys, we got to go. I don't want to keep you too long. You know, I like to do these short and sweet podcasts. Tune in to prisonerofhopetv.com or go to YouTube, Prisoner of Hope TV. You can watch her on one of our episodes. Um, her name is Ariel Mack. For those of you who are serious about giving someone a second chance and you are in the city of Dallas, Texas, and you want to give somebody a real job, don't call her with no bull crap. Now call her with a job, something she can have a career with, Okay. Uh, in the I have, beauty industry. I have so many women yes. that on my same plateau, I have known so many women that need um, assistance or needs a, a job reference or need, you know, we need to collab. I need to meet a group of women, mostly women, but I take men to a group of women who want to come together, bring our talents together. We won't thrive. Yes, we will thrive. And so remember, all I'm doing here is trying to restore empathy and trying to rebuild the family unit. So that's been it for us today. And I pray that you guys enjoy your life because at the end of the day, it ain't, it is just a waste of energy not to just take your time to enjoy this life because it's, it's not really? promised to you tomorrow. It, you could be gone. COVID has right. proven that to us, right? All right. Well, you guys right. take care of yourself and thank you, Ariel, for being on the show. I so much appreciate you. I love you, my dear. And I know that you are going to do well in this life and that nothing can stop you. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye, mom. Bye-bye. Prisoner of Hope is not just a show. It is a movement to restore empathy and to rebuild the family unit. Catch episodes early on the PrisonerofHopeTV.com website and YouTube channel. Subscribe to our blog. Learn more about Mona Lisa and Access the Vault, a video resource library designed to help you in knowing your rights, tips on post-incarceration life skills, starting your journey to self-discovery, understanding family and parenting relationships, and more. 
Looking for resources in your neighborhood? Use the vault to type in your zip code and find therapists, reentry programs, food assistance, and more. Prisoner of Hope needs you to get involved. And there are three ways. Learn how you can volunteer, donate, or even become a sponsor of the show. Interested in booking Mona Lisa to speak at your event or on your panel? Learn how under the contact section on the website. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to find out about upcoming Prisoner of Hope tours and other special events. Hope isn't canceled. We are in this together.